Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll be joining Mike Leone, and we'll be talking daily fantasy at large today. As so much happening as the world of sports is colliding, of course, we have the NBA action. We're almost there when it comes to fantasy baseball, and all of a sudden college basketball was at the helm with huge survivor tournaments over at FanDuel and DraftKings. It's Tony Cicada from DailyRoto.com. Of course, go to DailyRoto.com, the finest, most exciting new daily fantasy site on the planet, led by Mike Leone, Drew Dinkmeyer, and Adam Hummel. And they're getting all fired up covering all these big sports and all these happenings in the world of daily fantasy sports. What could be better than that going on right now? And we welcome into the program Mike Leone. Mike, what's going on, my man? Hey, Tony. Good morning. No, it's an early morning for us as well. We're getting. I usually get up and get early, but I watched four basketball games yesterday. Uh, I went to the Jacksonville games where we had three last-second shots that decided games. Uh, nothing was better than the action uh, that we saw in yesterday's college basketball. Yeah, that's unbelievable. The tournament was here in Buffalo last year. We have it about every three years, and it's one of the most fun things that I do consistently is going to those games every three years. Um, we, we get into the uh, debates on Twitter over whether NCAA basketball is better than NBA basketball and vice versa. But at the end of the day, the NCAA tournament is a heck of an event, regardless of how you feel about the quality of basketball. And it's just so much fun. You saw the Georgia State game, correct? Yes, I saw Georgia State, uh, uh, the Harvard-North Carolina game, which was absolutely great. Uh, Warford and um, Warford last night in Arkansas, and then the only other game that was a blow was Xavier crushing down uh, Ole Miss. That Georgia State game was unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen a game end like that. 13-0 run to end the game. Guy like Hunter, team's best player down the whole game, and then he scores 12 of the team's last 13 points. So uh, you got pretty lucky there, Tony. Yeah, and I had R.J. Hunter on my daily fantasy team, and I had had, uh, killed him on Twitter. Uh, saying, man, what defense they put on him, and then he just went off on a run. Uh, it was amazing to watch. I had uh, talking about the comparisons of college basketball and uh, the regular NBA basketball is the second thing on my list, but we're going to get started with that. We want to let everybody know well, we're proud to be on the FantasySportsNetwork.com right now. Of course, you can hear us on Fantasy Sports Network at 1.30. This podcast will be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, FantasySportsNetwork.com, or on Cablevision, New York City area, uh, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of West Virginia, all of Canada. Uh, it's going fast, and it's going furious, and it's great to have Dilly Roto uh, be part of it. Did you ever grow up thinking, man, I'll tune in and watch fantasy sports on TV? No, not at all. I, I, did, I didn't start playing fantasy sports until about I was in eighth grade, but I was always obsessed with sports center, watching it all the time. And, and it makes sense that we have 24-7 fantasy sports. It's becoming one of the main reasons people watch sports and are engaged by sports nowadays. All right, so I tweeted out yesterday, and I got a lot of tweets back, that next year... I am going to absolutely dedicate myself to college basketball. And one of the fundamental reasons that I came up with, all 40 minutes, you don't have to worry about They just stay in the game. Like, I couldn't believe it. As bad as that kid was from Georgia State yesterday for the first 37 minutes of the game, he didn't come out once. He played the entire game. We had a kid play in an overtime game 44 minutes last night. Uh I think from an analytical standpoint, if you're going to predict an outcome of a player's value, college basketball has to be easier than the NBA. Yeah, but it's also difficult because we have less information about 
injuries, uh, playing time switches, and I think it, it might on the surface seem like it's more predictable, but once you actually get into it, you'll probably run into a lot of the same problems and maybe some different ones as well. I'm looking forward to getting into it more next year. I think there might be an edge there since uh, because of that lack of information, there might be an edge there for someone who's able to obtain that information, pays close enough attention to get used to teams' rotations. Because as as much as the star players play, there's still role players whose playing time situations switch from 20 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game, drastic differences as the season goes on. Uh, the advanced stats, such as usage rate, assist rate, uh, applying those and matchups, uh, it's a little bit murkier in college basketball because not every team plays each other. There are different conferences, tons of different styles of play. So it could be a ton of fun, and I think there's an edge there. But it's also probably a little bit of a daunting task if you're starting from scratch. And the one big negative, and I'll give credit to my man Devin Knotts, uh, who I met at the Fantasy Aces Football Championship. I'll be out there emceeing the uh, a Daily Fantasy Basketball Championship in the first weekend of April for FantasyAces.com. Uh, the five fouls is a problem. You get two fouls on a guy early in the game, and he sits out the entire half. Two fouls is not too, a lot. I had D. Brown and Xavier, uh, who ended up with four fouls in the game. He got them all in the second half. like They were bang, bang, bang. Uh, so five fouls is a huge difference from six. I don't think we realize that. In the NBA, we very rarely worry about guys falling out, maybe the Hassan White sides of the world. In the NBA, in the college basketball, it's a big problem. Yeah, in the NBA, you're pretty much only worried about the big guys as far as foul trouble, at least in terms of predicting it. But in college, part of that problem, too, is the officiating is horrible. I forgot who it was the other day, but one team was in the bonus and the other team was in the double bonus halfway through the first half. It was unbelievable. Guys are pretty quick with their whistles, and I, and I hate the obsession with the charge call in college basketball. But I, I guess it's something I just have to get used to. <laughs> you know, yesterday was the greatest one. What? The old charge call, there was a charge call in one of the games I was at, but they gave the team the basket. So the ref was so good at his, <sighs> at his job that he actually saw that the ball was released, and then he ran into the player and gave him credit for the hoop. Uh, that is always one of those baffling calls to me, because if you made a penalty, I don't think you should be able to score on it. And the bottom line is, though, when I watched the replay, the ref was probably right. Yeah, a lot of times they, they just love calling that charge, and I, I hate taking away the aggressiveness of the offensive player. I mean, sometimes it's warranted when the player is out of control, but I hate seeing guys slide in late. Uh, barely getting into position, just sliding in there with really no no attempt to stop the basketball player, the offensive player, and, and they get rewarded with an offensive charge call and, and turnover going the other way. Mike Leone, Tony Cicada here from DailyRoto.com uh, talking about the world of daily fantasy sports. We'll give you a preview of NBA action tonight, college basketball. I'm in day two of the DraftKings uh Survivor tournament, but I have no idea, so I'm not even going to waste your time. Uh, the guys yesterday we did a great job. Uh, we had Jordan Chase on, and, uh, and he did a great job. The guys in the forum at DailyRoto.com hit it out of the park. If you guys need help today, the forum guys lit it up, and they'll be talking college basketball. It's already four four pages long. Uh, what they're discussing over there about college basketball. So if you need hoops help for today, go to dailyroto.com and hit up the forums, Mike. Uh, These kids did a really great job. Yeah, hitting the forums is a great way to introduce yourself to a new sport. Uh, You get a lot of different people's opinions instead of just one person's opinion, which can be important when you're just starting out and you want to develop your own style and your own strategies, but you're not exactly sure how to do that. The forums are a great way to do that. Uh, Dylan Cooper, who was formerly a, a, a big guy on the Lou Dogs forums, has come over. He's participating on the Daily Roto forums. He's also writing a column for, a, for us each day of the college basketball tournament. So look for his stuff uh, pretty soon this morning to be posted. Well, he's, he's definitely going to knock it out of the park. Dylan, of course, was on the podcast. Uh, absolutely getting it done. As uh 
we, we bring some fresh faces to the industry and, and, and giving them a forum here uh, to uh, spout their venom to the people to try to help people out in daily fantasy. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you're not a beginner, you know what you're doing in college basketball, hit up the forums, help people out. And if you're doing a good job, you've got detailed analysis, it's good stuff, we'll pat you on, tap you on the back, tap you on the shoulder, and, and see if you can help us out and write some columns for Daily Roto. Uh, it'd be absolute great stuff. So one of the things we're doing is we're getting ready for uh, fantasy baseball season, and I got two things to talk about here. One is this week in fantasy baseball industry today on the SiriusXM show. Uh, I actually got people on Twitter trying to have me get a college basketball guy on for today, and I would love to, uh, but I'm tied into talking about Tut Wars this weekend. Uh, which will be a lot of the industry experts competing in New York City in a draft. And I can't get the college basketball guy on. So, one, I was thinking about that, you know, Tout Wars labor are two leagues that have been around for a while that everybody recognizes. Do you think we'd ever get, like, the Daily Roto, uh, daily Fantasy version of a Tout Wars of labor? I'm not sure. I know that Michael Holfeld, FCK for basketball, uh, developed this challenge for experts where uh, they they put in a certain amount of money up front, but then they also have to pay the entry fee each day. And they played uh, three days a week or something for around 20 days, and they kept cumulative standings. And, and our Drew Dinkmeyer won, has won that back-to-back times for both times it's been held. But that's a really fun way to uh, really test your skills against the other experts. And maybe we'll see someone pick up a daily fantasy baseball challenge for that. But I don't know if we'll see the sites do expert leagues quite like that. The way daily fantasy sports works, if you're an expert and you want to prove it, you you prove it against everybody in the big tournaments and consistently grinding out cash games. That's kind of what's nice about daily fantasy sports is I don't have to weasel my way and figure out a way to get into tout wars or labor to compete against PD. You have the opportunity to compete against the best players in daily fantasy every single night. You know, what's funny about that is we know that three guys uh, from uh, rotoexperts.com uh, that uh, participate in our premium services won a uh, million dollars this year yet over at DraftKings in their tournaments. Uh, we know Peter Jennings has won uh, money. We've known a couple of the, the names, the winners. Now, I work with Lenny Melnick, so I know he won NL Labor. I don't know who won any of the other leagues. Yeah, and there's something about that allure of a million-dollar <laughs> grand prize, and you, you get these eyeballs on these big events and these live finals, and it's more memorable, I, I think. That, that's part of what makes daily fantasy sports so great. Anyone has the opportunity to win these big prizes, and they are big prizes. It's not as much as it's fun to win for reputation, and that is important to win expert leagues and season long. There's nothing quite like co- competing with your own money on the line to win big money and, and be rewarded for your skills. And you can't pay the electric bill with reputation. <laughs> no, you definitely cannot. Lights will be out. You know what? One of the great things about the daily fantasy industry is uh, when we have these new sites come on board, uh, they try to to, uh, make a mark because they don't have the money that FanDuel or DraftKings does. So a lot of them try different lineup construction, uh, different scoring. Uh, One of the recent ones is Victive.com. Now, Victive has responded uh, to people uh, that – have been victimized by uh, late lineup changes in in, in the NBA uh, players not being uh, in the lineups that night, and by having a replacement player of a, a value under five thousand uh, dollars, they drop the lowest score, and you get the replacement player. Well, this year for daily fantasy baseball, they've made two significant changes. First one offensively is that they're only going to count seven of the eight hitters, the top seven hitters. And I think out of all the sports that doesn't need a replacement player, it's baseball, even though you can get burned by late lineups. But if you do it the system they just put in place, the lowest player is not going to be the player that gets a zero. The lowest player is the guy that's going to go 0 for 4. So that guy's going to be replaced as opposed to the guy in the lineup, so they didn't fix anything. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, where someone could get scratched and put up a zero versus someone goes 0 for 4 and gets a negative 1, and the yeah. person who's getting replaced is actually the person who played and not the person who got scratched. But if you read their reasoning for why they did it, it wasn't so much because of the scratch issue as it was the variance in baseball. The probability of getting the guy going 0 for 4 is so high that they wanted to give people an extra out, so to speak. And I can get along with that kind of reasoning. The, the tough part in daily fantasy sports, especially if you're a newer site like Victive, there's a few things going around that you have to balance. One, you have to be innovative and distinguish yourself from the other sites to get people to come play on your site. Why would they leave DraftKings and FanDuel if you're doing the exact same thing but they have a bigger player base? But they have to balance that with two. If you get two different, people aren't going to want to play either. So it's a really tough line to to straddle, and they're doing the best they can. The, the other hard part is something I've learned in life, not just in fantasy sports, but just because something's always been done one way doesn't make that the right way. And I think those guys are really trying to push the envelope in terms of making daily fantasy sports the best product, not necessarily redoing the same product that we've seen time and time again. They want to make daily fantasy sports product it can be, and they don't care too much about the way it's been done before. So, uh, it, But with that said, some of their changes are interesting. My initial reaction was to the pitcher scoring, uh, and, and I'll let you introduce that, Tony. All right, so on the pitcher scoring, it's interesting. Uh, what they've done is they've select a team's pitchers for the day. So if you select the Los Angeles Dodgers, you're going to get Clayton Kershaw. And when Clayton Kershaw comes out of the seventh inning, you're going to get Brandon League. Uh, you're going to get uh, anyone else that comes into the game will be on your team. Now, a lot of people have called for this in fantasy football, because when a quarterback goes down in the first quarter, they don't want you to suffer from that, and you get to get the backup and you get to finish the game. So I can understand that from from an aspect. But i got to be honest, I don't like this in baseball. And the biggest reason I don't like it is you get 2.25 for inning pitched. And when you take it from a team perspective... What's going to happen now is that any game that goes 12 or 13 innings is going to all of a sudden be the game that's going to win over at Victive.com. And the reason I don't like that is pitcher scoring is the most predictable. That's where we get most of our points from. And any snipe is pitcher scoring. So to take that 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 statistic and that column with a pitcher and add to it, to me is insane. It really devalues hitters now. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how this turns out. My initial reaction was that I didn't like it. Uh, I, I don't want to judge something until I see it actually in practice. But my concern with it is, one, like, like you said, the innings pitched counts, which seems a little bit weird to give the innings pitched uh, a high point value when you're already doing team pitching, so you're going to get all those stats anyways. And that's going to put an emphasis on home teams because they're going to get nine innings pitched every game, at least every game, and away teams may only get eight innings pitched, which is, is an interesting aspect. And I'm interested to see if they price that into the pitching staffs on a day, taking into consideration who's home and who's away. I think part of the reason they did it is because they thought an individual pitcher win was such a poor statistic, which I agree with. In real life, it really is a poor statistic. It's not necessarily a measure of how good the pitcher is at preventing runs and how good they are uh, in general. A lot of a lot of other factors go into a pitcher win other than the pitcher's individual skill. So one way to get around that was to make it a team pitching staff. The other reason they did this is to keep people engaged for a whole game. If your pitcher gets knocked out in the fourth inning, it's okay. You've still got five innings to maybe make up some points. You're staying in through the whole game, especially at the end of the game, which is 
in real life the most important part of the game, but a lot of times it had not much fantasy bearing. So they're keeping the most important parts of the games important for fantasy too. With that said, I'm not entirely thrilled about it. I understand that it's frustrating if your pitcher gets pulled in the, the fourth or fifth inning, but that's that's part of evaluating the performance. That's part of evaluating what they're going to do for the day. Uh, I also, a lot of people like this aspect of it, are going to, but I don't know if I will, and that's you're going to have to know how good teams' bullpens are, which you kind of do already in terms of evaluating hitters if you're, if you're doing it correctly. I don't like having to change, and again, this goes back to my point about the hard part about being innovative, but also not being too different than the other sites. If I have a process for evaluating starting pitchers on the day and I'm playing multiple sites, it's going to be hard for me to add in uh, a completely different aspect of research just for one other site, which is going to be uh, how many points the bullpen going to score. And we're also going to see that the gap between good pitchers and bad pitchers is going to close because part of the reason for that gap was the innings pitched. If you took a good, reliable pitcher, you you were pretty set on, on six to seven innings versus if you took a bad pitcher, could be four or five. And now, now you're going to see these guys get bailed out by their bullpens, and, and that, that's going to count. We're also going to see that that makes me think, though, uh, guys who may not go deep into games but have high strikeout rates, I think a, a, a Danny Salazar maybe, uh, they're going to be a lot more valuable on Victor because you can grab those high strikeout totals early and still get the innings pitched through the bullpen. Uh, I'm very interested to see how it turns out in practice. In theory, I, I'm definitely skeptical. I'm glad they're pushing the envelope. I agree with some of the reasoning of why they're doing it. I don't know if this is necessarily how I would have chosen to solve the problem. Yeah, there's two big aspects there. I think you're 100% right is that the guys that play on multiple sites are going to have a tough time evaluating this one and may skip it for that. So that could be a bonus out there for the casual player. Uh, Evictive might be a place where if you're sick of playing the same people each and every time, this might give you an opportunity for that. So Evictive might be able to cash in that way. And then secondly, you know, I don't know. I guess you get tired sometimes of the same thing, and it's new that people will at least give it a shot. So you get them over the site one time, and it may keep them. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, remember, uh, anyone from Victive that would like to come on the podcast and talk about this absolutely can, and I will also welcome you on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio uh, to discuss these matters as well. And, and maybe you can sell me on it, sell the listeners on it, and, and put some uh, – some eyes over at Victive.com. We wish everybody luck with that. It's Mike Leone, Tony Cicada from DailyRoto.com. Before we transition into basketball for tonight's slate, i got to ask you, what is your preference uh, in daily fantasy baseball, two-pitcher sites or one-pitcher site? Well, first I want to say one last thing about Victive that I, I left out is that they're going with very flexible offensive positions, three outfielders and four infielders. I will say that I love that. I think the more flexibility, the better I should be able to choose the hitters I want. I don't want to be forced, especially on small slates, to fill certain positions with guys that aren't good hitters just for the sake of saying, oh, it resembles a real-life team. You know, We're not putting together a real-life team. We're putting together a fantasy team. So I like that aspect a lot. Um, my preference Fan- as far as – Yeah, before we go in, Fantasy Aces does something similar too with first and third base <laughs> – in second and short, uh, they they lumped them in so you could have two second basemen or two first basemen, two third basemen. So you like that position flexibility. Yeah, I love it. And Aces does a great job with it for basketball, too. It's a lot of fun. Some nights there's three or four centers you want to play, and if those are the best values and that's where the edge is on the night, I don't see any reason why you should be restricted. It's really tough, especially on FanDuel where they're very stringent and there's no flex spots and the position eligibility sometimes is wrong. That's, that's the other aspect of sites that don't have multiple position eligibility. Sometimes it's just wrong. It's one thing to say, okay, we're only going to give guy one position. But if you're going to do that, it's got to at least be right. Uh, so but I really like the position flexibility aspect of it. But going back to your question about one starting pitcher site versus two starting pitcher sites, 
For me, I like two starting pitchers for a variety of reasons. One, I think the biggest edge in daily fantasy baseball is in understanding the predictability of starting pitching and starting pitching scoring by sight. So the more pitchers you add, the more opportunities for edge to be had. And two, I just think it's more fun to have two guys throwing on a night instead of one. Uh, maybe it keeps you in in the game longer in case uh, you, one of your guys gets shelled early. And I think there's a bit more strategy to it as well. On one starting pitcher sites, usually it's pretty clear where to go. I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily say that because every night's so nuanced, but there's a lot more emphasis on the top-tier starting pitchers on one pitcher sites. On two to three starting pitcher sites, there's a bit more debate on whether or not you should spread that salary around, go two mid-tier guys, go one really expensive guy and one kind of cheaper guy, or do you go all out and go two expensive guys? I think there's more strategy involved the more starting pitchers you have, and that's a more fun game, uh, a game where there's more edge to be had. Yeah, I truly, truly, definitely agree with you. Uh, FanDuel, I just feel like, you can't miss or it's over, right? You go to bed early. Like, if your guy comes out in the third inning and it's a 7 o'clock game, you just go to bed. Uh, where if you have a you know quality pitcher in there and he lights it up, you can stay up till midnight to watch the games and watch the standings. Uh, so it's all definitive on one player. And that bothers me a little bit unless I have that player, then I'm okay with it. Uh, but the two <laughs> pitchers, you're right. There's more, so much more roster construction. Uh, I absolutely love that. We recently on DailyRoto.com, and you can still go out there and check this article out. Uh, we had Jonathan Bale's article, and I tell people all the time he's very intelligent because he wrote a book, and I can barely read one, so he's got that over me. I go with the audio books uh, read by Nando DeFino myself. <laughs> yeah, Bale's is great. Uh, I love his books. His books are um, pretty much a must-read for anyone who's serious about playing daily fantasy sports, whether you're a beginner or an experienced player. If you really want to play consistently, his books are really interesting, particularly in terms of game theory, which is has a lot more to do with ownership levels and when you should take certain players based on formats. He does an excellent job with all that stuff. Now, he talked about uh, using contrarian pitches in the articles posted at DailyRoto.com. Now, I look at that method as depending on how many teams you play in a particular tournament. I really thought that the Clayton, I used the Clayton Kershaw, Henderson Alvarez uh, analogy uh, a couple nights ago. I thought that if you if you had one or two teams in a tournament, you, you got to go with the top guy and go with Clayton Kershaw on that night. But if I had ten teams. I would take a shot on a guy like Henderson Alvarez, who doesn't allow many runs, doesn't strike many guys out, but it's going to be owned by less than 3% of people in that tournament, and, and hope I can nail something on the offensive side. How do you go and attack a tournament and, and look at it from a one- or two-entry perspective and then uh, multiple entries of 10 or more? Yeah, it's hard to say what you would do in multiple entries because almost any idea – is a reasonable idea when you're in multiple entries. Uh, you, you don't want to throw money away, but there's certainly more room to be flexible and to be creative. In general, I'm taking the pitchers that I think are going to have the highest scores on the day. They're still the most predictable position. I'll mix up my secondary hitters, but I'm taking the pitchers I think are, one, going to have the highest raw total score because value is a difficult concept, a much more abstract concept in daily fantasy baseball uh, with all the variance there is. We don't know where scores are going to settle in on a night. It's hard to come up with a value threshold like we do for other sports, particularly NBA. So there is value in having a guy who has the highest raw total score almost regardless of how much he costs. You still want to take salary into consideration, so you're not automatically filling in the highest expected score. But if I'm doing a multi-entry tournament, I'm definitely going to have the guy I think is going to be the top pitcher regardless of salary. Then maybe some mid-tier guys for the upside and strikeouts. The interesting thing with Daily Fantasy Baseball is the best pitchers mathematically have the most upside. They're going to throw the more innings. They're going to limit runs. They're going to rack up the most strikeouts. Whereas other sports, uh, like hockey, for example, I find it interesting that sometimes the bad goalies or at least goalies on bad teams 
they actually have mathematically more upside than the good goalies because they see more shots and saves is a big component. So if you get lucky and they don't let in a goal and they see 40 shots, they mathematically are going to be able to score more than a goalie who may be more skilled than them, which I find really interesting in hockey. But in baseball, that doesn't happen. You're never going to take a guy with 5Ks per nine who has more upside than a guy with 9Ks per nine. It just doesn't happen. So really focus on strikeouts and don't try and get too cute. That cheap starting pitcher, even though he lets you fit in a lot of bats, unless it's a guy who legitimately has strikeout upside, six-plus inning pitched upside, it's usually not worth it. And I think Bales' research shows that even in tournaments, going contrarian at pitcher is does not have as high of a, an expected value as simply playing the better starting pitchers. You listen to the Daily Roto podcast on FantasySportsNetwork.com. Uh, we'll be signing off at FantasySportsNetwork.com, but everybody that's listening right now on DailyRoto.com, iTunes, or Podbean is going to get a little extra bonus here. Uh, but we appreciate all the listeners over at the FantasySportsNetwork.com. Make sure you check out DailyRoto.com as we break into the NBA action tonight. New York and Philadelphia are going at it tonight. 189, 5.5 uh, total, and i got to tell you, I guess I'm going to wait for my uh, premium package to start sending me emails to tell me somebody's out and somebody's $3,000 minimum salary. Other than that, I can't see me jumping in at anything in this game. Daily fantasy basketball is really hard right now. It's particularly difficult to evaluate early on in the day with so many scratches we're seeing recently. There's definitely an edge to be had, but it almost comes later in the day evaluating what shifts with – players being out or resting. And the other hard part this time of year are teams that aren't going to be competitive. And you're talking two teams that aren't going to be competitive in New York and Philadelphia. Um, The one guy I would look at if he's healthy, I know he had an ankle problem the other day, is Nerland's Noel. Usually I don't chase guys whose prices have risen a lot over a, a period of time, and that's what's happened with Noel. But he looks like a guy who's just figuring it out, and that's shown in his usage rate, rebounding rate, assist rate. All three of those are up. So it's not like we're getting some fluky defensive performances or, or fluky high field goal percentages that are causing his salary to inflate. There's a legitimate reason why his salary is inflating. So he still has the upside to pay off that tag, especially versus the Knicks team that they're turnover prone. They don't really have anyone to rebound. I could see a big game out of him. And, of course, uh, Portland and Orlando tonight. Now, this is going to be really dependent on who's in the lineup for Orlando. Uh, if Channing Fry gets to start at forward, LaMarcus Aldridge probably is the first guy you got to put in your lineup because Fry, uh, I don't know, he needs a taser. He needs something out there. He can't stop <laughs> anyone. Uh, and Victor Oladipo, of course, with Tobias Harris questionable in this one, uh, he looks like a guy that will be able to eat up the Portland two guys as well. Yeah, Aldridge is a guy I have a tough time evaluating because the way he plays, the matchup data that we usually use for guys doesn't seem to apply one-to-one to him. Uh, with with his, his perimeter shooting for a big guy, it's kind of tough to figure out from game to game who he's going to take advantage of. He had a huge game versus Miami, which is actually one of the best teams in the NBA in defensive efficiency against power forwards. So I, I often have a tough time determining when to use Aldridge, but I agree with you. If Fry's starting there at power forward, um, he should light him up. And Fry's also not a good rebounder. So not only is Aldridge looking at high upside in terms of points, but rebounds as well. Oladipo, even with Harris out, I'm hesitant just because the price has risen so high. I think he's maxed out. Even with Harris out and seeing more usage, I think he's maxed out right now. His minutes pretty much can't go up. There's no ceiling. There's no upside in his minutes. You're expecting to get 39 minutes. If you don't get 39 minutes, you're in trouble. And rarely do we see a guy shoot up to 44 minutes or something like that. 
Denver and Miami going at it. Uh, Denver having problems with people in the front court. Is this the night of Hassan Whiteside? There's so much volatility with Whiteside, but in general, I like the Miami players a lot. I'm interested to see what the spread is. I'm hoping it's not too high. Six and a half. Six and a half. See, that's that's great. I think it's a great situation to target Miami players. Uh, We talked about with the Philly Knicks game that it's tough this time of year relying on teams that have nothing to play for. If anything, they would benefit from losing. Miami's on the exact opposite side of that. It is a really, really tight race in the East for the final two playoff spots with Miami in the thick of it, and we're seeing the results of that in guys' minutes. Uh, In a time where we're we're seeing volatility and whether or not guys are playing and how much they're playing, Miami's actually seeing their guys, their core guys' minutes rise and consistently. You look at Goran Dragic, he's playing near 40 minutes a game now. It's not fully baked into his salary. Dwayne Wade's playing his best ball of the year, and he's seen consistently over 30 minutes. Sometimes he would be a risk to go sub-30, but but not right now. And even Whiteside, back-to-back 32-plus-minute games. If he stays out of foul trouble, probably going to be a huge game for him. Denver's historically struggled against bigs. Nothing has changed this year. And the other thing, they're playing up in pace. Denver's an up-tempo team, so Tight rotation, up in pace. Uh, I like targeting a couple of Heat players a lot tonight. And then also we got Milwaukee and Brooklyn going at it. 191 total here. Uh, Lopez's numbers have uh, risen as far as salary goes. Goes against a soft Milwaukee front court tonight. Yeah, the problem I've had with Brooke Lopez and Darren Williams, I thought they were going to be huge. A couple games ago, they moved back to the starting lineup. seemed like they were playing 30 plus minutes, another team fighting for for a playoff spot, and I was really happy. I, I thought we were going to get a lot of value, and then all of a sudden they started playing some really weird minutes totals, even in a couple games that weren't blowouts. So it's a tournament option only for me. I don't have enough confidence that he's going to see over 30 minutes in this game to, to throw him out there in cash. How about the Milwaukee side of things? It's tough. Brooklyn, a slow place team. 191 total here. Anyone sticking out on the Milwaukee side of things? Not really. In general, you've got two teams that don't push the ball. Milwaukee's middle of the pack in pace. Brooklyn's 25th. Uh, in terms of team defensive efficiency, Milwaukee is second. Um, Br- Brooklyn's not great from a defensive efficiency standpoint, but like I said, their pace is really slow. It seems like an ugly game, and unless there's an injury or something, I'll probably avoid it. Maybe Ursan uh, Elias Silva's salary on FanDuel was way too low the other day. I have to check to see if that's corrected itself. He was nice just purely from a price standpoint. Sometimes you can throw the matchup out and just look at a guy's price, the amount of playing time he's supposed to get, and what his average FanDuel points per minute are and run some math and see that he has a high probability of hitting his value threshold. Indiana and Cleveland tonight, 11-point spread in this one, 201.5. Now you got to pay big money for these Cleveland players. Indiana, not a team uh, that excites me to uh, go up and down the court with, but Cleveland's been on an offensive tear against anyone. Uh, so it looks like LeBron's still in play here. Uh, but I mentioned a couple of guys like LaMarcus Aldridge that I would be paying for, uh, as opposed to that we haven't got to West- Russell Westbrook yet. Uh, are you going to pay the money for LeBron or Kyrie Irving tonight? I don't think so. LeBron's rarely been on my radar recently with his price. Kind of took a jump up from around 10K or so on, on FanDuel and DraftKings and moved closer to that 11K area. And since that happened, I haven't touched him. I think a mistake people make is at a, a bad small forward position that's quite often scarce. They want to take a safe option, so they pay up for LeBron. But for me, that's almost the exact opposite of what you should do. If you don't feel comfortable at a position, why would you invest a bunch of salary in a guy who's unlikely to hit value just because, you know, he's going to have an okay game? It's all relative to price. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is is throwing in LeBron because they don't like any small forwards. But he's not, not someone I'm really targeting. On the other side of the ball, I have an affinity for George Hill that doesn't seem to go away. I, I feel like his baseline is much higher than his salary would indicate, but 
things keep happening that keep his salary down, whether it's foul trouble, blowouts, or, or just a poor performance like he had the other day. Uh, a guy I like in tournaments would be George Hill. Atlanta, Oklahoma City, don't have a total on this one. Uh, but I look at this game as two ways. I, I like the matchup for Russell Westbrook, of course. But if I don't want to pay the money, how about I go the other way and save on Jeff Teague? Because Russell Westbrook, since he's getting on this tear, has absolutely been terrible defensively. Second-worst point guard uh, defensive efficiency in the NBA. I- I'm going to go Jeff Teague in a lot of the matchups tonight. Yeah, I think Teague is a better play than Westbrook, of course, depending on if we see guys rest and maybe we get some viable minimum price pump plays. The issue with Westbrook, that salary, even though he can hit value thresholds and, and his expected production is probably right around his value thresholds, you got to look at the entire roster construction. And you, you're going to be forced to take a lot of cheaper guys. And generally these cheaper guys are riskier, have lower ceilings. Uh, i I've always said I prefer a balanced lineup. If you get a bunch of 7K guys, generally all of these guys have the potential to go off in a night, whereas if you take Russell Westbrook at 13K, you need 60 just to break even just right off the bat, and then you're going to have – I mean, that doesn't leave you with a lot of profit potential. I know he's had some insane games where he gets 80, 90, but that's tough to profit when you need (laughs) to hit 60 just to break even. And then you then you have to throw in some 3K guys, some 3.5K guys that, that might be duds. Uh, on a full slate night, I'd, I'd rather take Jeff Teague, like you said, Westbrook's defense has lapsed with him having to expend so much energy on the offensive end of the court. And I believe Corver is still out, and Teague's seen a, a little bit of a bump in usage rate with Corver off the floor. And the, and the price has been pretty favorable, probably slightly below where it should be according to his baseline. And the Atlanta side of things, uh, Enos Cannon was banged up in his last game. Uh, don't, don't know if he's going to be in the lineup tonight. I expect him to be in. But uh, uh, that situation with the front court, uh, Mitch McGarry getting some time there, uh, Stephen Adams getting some time there. Uh, how about Horford and Millsap? Do they look like uh, anything that would be attractable for bigs? Yeah, a lot of times when you ask me about Atlanta, it's been, it's been this way a lot throughout the year. They're often a healthy team, and they spread the ball around. And as a result, we don't get a lot of guys who are underpriced. So we end up in a lot of situations like tonight where I think if you're rounding out your roster and those guys fit, they're not minus EV guys, but they're also not core guys that I'm targeting, uh, even with that thin front court for OKC. If anything, I'm looking at the OKC front court. If Cantor were to be out tonight, Adams would be, just from a pure volume standpoint, Adams would be an amazing value play. You'd have to see a ton of minutes. And Mitch McGarry is the ultimate tournament player. He could get you five points. He could get you 30 points at minimum salary. If you're doing multi-entry, I don't mind. I could never argue against throwing Mitch McGarry on one of your squads just because the range of outcomes is completely unpredictable, but there is a ceiling there. Toronto and Chicago, Kyle Lowry questionable. Of course, Jimmy Butler's still out. Derek Rose out. Aaron Brooks, a point guard. He can be exploited. I would have liked to exploit him with Kyle Lowry, who's questionable. Uh, but Kyle Lowry can be exploited, too, as well here. So not great defensive matchups at the guard position. No, not at all. And Aaron Brooks is an awful defender. If you look at the sport view data, he, he's just terrible. He's undersized. Uh, he is just not a good defender. And if Kyle Lowry's out for this game, uh, Grievous Vasquez would probably step in and start and would be a great DFS value. Uh, he absolutely would. And, of course, we got a full slate of games. It's Mike Leone, Tony Cicada, DailyRoto.com. Uh, make sure you go over and get the premium advice from Drew Dinkmeyer and Mike Leone. And get yourself the best chance at being profitable in a big, big night. Memphis and Dallas going at it in this game. Michael Conley's been a little banged up for a while. Uh, we'll see how this plays. The Dallas guards are there. I don't look at anything here as it being quite attractive to me. Yeah, and on the Dallas side of things, you're playing a Memphis team that's really strong defensively and down in pace. If you're going to take advantage of playing against Memphis, it's going to be because of something going on on your team's roster that's boosting you in value, whether it be extra minutes due to someone being out, 
extra usage, offensive responsibility, but very rarely, pretty much never are we saying, okay, I like this matchup against Memphis because slow pace, good defense, there's no reason to attack it. Boston San Antonio, 208 total. It's crazy. You get a high total. And I look at this game and I don't feel safe uh, jumping on anyone in particular in this one. Uh, do you see someone that will jump out at you? Do we ever feel safe when the Spurs are involved? I don't think we do. <laughs> I mean, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, of course, is probably the safest play going in and out of there. I think you could make the case on two-guard sites of using Tony Parker because he's cheap against Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think so. Even though Smart's a good defender all year long, the defensive efficiency for Boston still middle of the pack. And, and they're an up-tempo team, so the Spurs are going to get benefit of extra possessions. The spread isn't too high in this game. There's some blowout risk, but, but Boston, they're coming into their own. Uh, they're another team that's fighting for that last playoff spot. So we, we like to see games that involve competitive teams. And I think Leonard is the guy I would target most. Like I was saying before, sometimes people make that mistake of paying up for LeBron. If you want to be safe at small forward, go with Kawhi Leonard. There's much more profit potential at that salary, especially with him playing up in pace against the Boston team, ranked 19th in defensive efficiency against small forwards. Uh, he's the guy that I would be most prone to use in this game. Charlotte, Sacramento going at it. DeMarcus Cousins questionable. Uh, this is going to be a game that I think you're going to look for uh, anything except, you know, you'll be trying to target some guy that's getting the lineup like Macklemore for $3,000 because you need to fill out your roster. Other than that, uh, I, I don't see that as a big play. How about from the Charlotte side of things? If Cousins is out, do we get a big play there? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see Al Jefferson's health. I know he's been banged up a little bit, but he would – definitely be in line for, for a lot of upside when you remove Cousins' uh, presence there. But I'm looking at Mo Williams. I know Kemba Walker's back and seeing more playing time. But this is a matchup where we don't mind if Mo Williams is playing the one or the two because Sacramento is horrific against both positions. Uh, we'd rather see Williams running the point because that's better. That's just a better fantasy position anyways. But when he slides over to the two with Kemba, and he's got a matchup against the team that's dead last in defensive efficiency against shooting guards. And he's a guy that, even with the rising price point and Kemba available, deserves some consideration. New Orleans and Golden State going at it. In this game, Tyreek Evans is probable. Anthony Davis is questionable. And you got the best defensive team in the league in Golden State. Uh, I would go LaMarcus Aldridge over Anthony Davis tonight. In the, so this one, even though he's questionable, is uh, obsolete for me. And then we also have Clay Thompson out uh, creating some value at the two-guard. Yeah, this game's pretty scary if you're taking expensive players because it could easily turn into a blowout in Golden State. They have been absurdly good at home and – Really, any any game, any given game in Golden State could turn into a game where starters don't see fourth quarter minutes. Tyreek Evans has historically had struggles on the road, so even though he could have a really high usage rate with Davis out, if Davis is out, there's a, definitely a high risk factor as well. On the Golden State side of the ball, Andre Iguodala has been playing excellent. Uh, he he's at that scarce small forward position. Um, doesn't cost too much. Harrison Barnes as well. Those are two guys uh, that I was targeting the other day with Clay Thompson out. More usage, more playing time. Um, there's there's a bunch of Golden State guys where you're going to see Thompson's offensive responsibilities and his minutes spread out around a handful of guys. So it's hard to pinpoint one guy and say he's the guy today. But between Barnes, Iguodala, Justin Holiday and Sean Livingston, a few of those guys are going to hit value. One probably will miss. Like the other day we saw Barnes and Iguodala crush value and Holiday fell short. Probably going to see a similar situation tonight where two or three of the guys do really well and, and one or two may be on the outside looking in. Last game on the slate, Washington, the Clippers going at it. Uh, Seven-point line in this one. Uh, when you look at it, Chris Paul and uh, John Wall going at it in this one. Uh, you look at any matchups here that excite you. Blake Griffin has a pretty good matchup uh, against the Washington Wizards. 
Yeah, and this is uh, the even though we've got two premier point guards going at it, I'm not a big fan of either one. Uh, on Wall's side, Chris Paul is an excellent defender, and that shows up in the defensive efficiency metrics for the Clippers. On Paul's side, playing against the Washington that Washington team that's pretty good defensively and below average in pace. So not a lot there, even though you've got two premier point guards. I'm probably staying away there. Uh, like you said, Blake Griffin, I think, is a touch underpriced since he came back from injury. Uh, he, he had a down game the other night, but they've thrown him right back into big minutes. So I'm not too worried about the fact that he just came back from injury. And Martian Gortat, the guy whose minutes have been on the rise, he's playing really well. And DeAndre Jordan, because he blocks shots so much, is a little bit overrated as a defender uh, when he's actually on the ball, he's not nearly as strong of a defender. And he's also a guy who's, who had those insane numbers with Blake Griffin out. And you and I talked about this on Sirius the other day. Uh, don't fall into the DeAndre Jordan trap with Griffin back. You're going to see less minutes from Jordan, less usage, less rebounding. It's a negative EV play. He's Mike Leone, Tony Cicada, DailyRoto.com. Uh, we had a great podcast today. I think we covered everything in Daily Fantasy Sports. Did we leave anything out? I mean, did you want to get to uh, NFL kickers, or can we save that for another podcast? Uh, we ran the gauntlet. I, I think we can save that <laughs> for for another podcast. Uh, there you go. Make sure you go to DailyRoto.com today. And, of course, you can get your NBA advice, as you always do. You can get some hockey advice out there. Uh, but college basketball, like I said, hit up the forums, hit up the articles, and make sure you're ready for go today as March Madness Day 2 takes off and we get all fired up. Mike Leone, Tony Sincata, Daily Roto Podcast. We're done. We're out of here. Good luck this weekend. Make yourself some money and check out DailyRoto.com. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.